These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. This, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? That's great. I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Awesome. So I just want to say thank you for wanting to be on the show. I do appreciate you taking your time out of your night to be able to do this. Of course. Yeah, that was like, I put it on my calendar. I was like, this the only thing I'm doing today. I'm like super, I, I told myself I wanted to just focus just on this um, interview. I'm super excited for it. Thank you for allowing me to be on here. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. I've been excited about this since we made this official last uh, week. So I do appreciate you being on. So, hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show for today's podcast. I actually have Candace. Say hello to everyone, Candace. Hey, y'all. And she's actually an independent actress, and the name of the movie that she's actually in is called No Heartbeat. And I just want to say, I really enjoyed seeing this played out from an emotional angle. I really liked how you have this, it seems like it's a conservative family, right? Where they're mostly the old school ways of doing things while this teenager's also scared to death of having this baby at an early age. And there could be a possibility that they could actually go to jail. This is also taking place into the future, where especially whenever they have that no heartbeat law. So actually, I'm the writer of the film. Oh, okay. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not know that. <laughs> Yes, yes. I was uh, I'm the screenwriter of the film. Um but yeah, it was a very timely, honestly, um film to work on. Um uh, with everything going on right now with Ro- Roe versus Wade. Um so I was just really happy to be a part of such a necessary process and film. I agree with you. I really have to say I enjoyed seeing this uh, short film, the 30 minutes I, I actually saw. And you did a really good job with writing. Thank you. Thank you. You're very, you're very welcome. Because, you know, you actually captured pretty much the old school of way of thinking where also, too, where it's like, okay, there's this family and basically they believe in the fact that they shouldn't, you shouldn't have an abortion or anything like that. And then you have this uh, teenager that's pregnant and she's on the verge of pretty much on the verge of collapsing just about because of the fact that she is pregnant. She is thinking about her options. She is thinking about the fact that she does want the abortion. And also too, that law that takes place could actually end up affecting that. And I just want to say this from a male's perspective, 
and everything, a male should not tell a woman and everything what they should and shouldn't be doing with their body. I do not agree with that. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the only male that was, you know, in here was Vince, um, the brother. And even from his standpoint, it was kind of like he was being the protective older brother, um, but rode that line of like not going too far into telling, telling Nola what to do, but also just being very concerned. Um, and so thank you for saying that because you're very welcome. Yeah. Because here's the thing, you know, it's a touchy subject, you know, Mm -hmm. because I know there's going to be many people that are going to be where they're going to be the conservative uh, side, especially whenever I look at the news part of this, um, whenever the news is actually broken out about the no heartbeat rule and stuff like that. And it's kind of like a Fox 8 kind of thing, if you actually think about it, the way that it's actually being presented. And the parents are taking it into that standpoint. That's the way that I'm viewing it. Is that the way that you wanted the audience to actually view it as? Or is this just uh, another uh, news day and it just happens to be this family is actually seeing this? No, that's exactly how um, I wanted to write it. Well, honestly, in the beginning, the mother... Um, I had her a little more, uh, like, what's the word? A little more conservative than than how she even presents now, um, uh-huh. and kind of unlikable. Um, and this was the first. So this is my first film, um, first screenplay turned to a film. And so you know, working with the producer and the director, um, it it was very different for me because I got critiques on, you know, how they wanted that character to be more um, relatable, a little more on the likable side um, only for the fact of what this film was trying to do is to bring in both sides, tell both sides of the story Mm -hmm. and to not just batch um, pro-life. One or the other. Yeah. One of the, you know, and so, and, and, to kind of bond the two in a way and so bashing the mother making the mother just you know sound like an idiot would not really help any anything it wouldn't help the situation so um I wanted to make uh the mother more like she still has her own points she has her emotions her emotions are tethered to her beliefs you know her her experiences are tethered to her beliefs and um, to bring it more to the emotional side. So the audience can relate to um, her and to at least have an understanding of where she's coming from, even if they don't agree. You see, I actually got that from just watching that because, you know, you can actually go from one perspective to the other and, May may find some common ground with either side of the mother, mm-hmm. you know, and I could actually definitely tell that I actually connected with that. And the thing that I really have to say that I enjoyed about it was the fact that you know she doesn't know her daughter is actually pregnant, and then her daughter is actually giving her her perspective, and then she's being judged based off of her pers- perspective and everything and she's not even giving a chance to actually have a perspective yeah. or anything it's like okay either it's this way or no way mm-hmm. kind of thing with the mother 
Yeah, and honestly, that to me is um, not saying all parents are like that, but right, you know, that's it's kind of at least the the traditional or the stereotype of a parent. You know, it's kind of like you live in my house; these are my rules. Um, but then there's a layer on top of that, which is these are not just my rules, but this is the law. You know, right of, of, in that world, which can honestly be our world pretty soon. It's this is the law. So you're also not only go, going against my word, but you're going against, you know, the government. You're going against, you know, everything that they want to actually stand yes. for at that point in time. And I totally get that because even the brother says it. He goes, I love you. I want to be there for you. But it's like he doesn't know how to be there for her the way he wants to be there for mm-hmm. her. He's like he's cro- he's like in the middle where he's like, okay, if I do this, if I stand with her, I'm going to go to jail. Not only am I going to go to jail, maybe possibly my parents might go to jail too and everything. Yeah. And, you know, I like that whole entire thing where it's consequential, you know, where you actually have consequences playing played out in every scenario that the brother's actually thinking in. And it's a clear way of thinking for someone around his age is actually thinking and that's what I love about it. It's actually mature for his age, but also caring. He's charismatic for his sister. He wants to be there for his sister. And his sister, you know, uh, is scared. And she even tells him, Hey look, I'm scared about this situation. I do not know what to do. I cannot prepare myself for this situation. I need your help that drive me to get this taken care of. And I really love that on the emotional level. Thank you. Yeah, I really had to, I had to tap into it and kind of think about what I would do in that situation, because um, honestly, I would feel like I would fall more into like how the brother handled it. Except for me, I would have probably loyalty to my siblings. I would have probably, you know, drove her um, to get an abortion. Um, but for the fact of him being stuck in the middle and kind of trying to work out what could he really do to help and feeling like I don't want to go against I don't want to go against my parent and understanding where his mother's coming from but also realizing and recognizing um his little sister's pain um and trying to balance the two um you know in the end I I don't, I, I think he falls short a little bit, but he's really, I think every single character is really doing all that they can do, you know. I can definitely see that he's actually doing the best that he can do as a brother, what, what he has. And like I said, thinking about the consequences, trying to be there for his sister. And then also too, you know, it's so easy to say, oh, why don't you just put the baby up for adoption? Mm-hmm. And things like that. And I remember this is just going through my high school years and everything. I remember gr- teenage girls saying, I'll just put the baby up for adoption. Mm. Like it was nothing. And, you know, and I didn't think about the consequences behind that. Because don't forget, 17, 16 years old, we think we know what we're talking about. Yeah. We really don't know what we're talking At about. All. You know? <laughs> And, you know, after, you know, so many years, I started thinking about it. Well, what about what's going to happen to the baby? What kind of home is mm-hmm. this baby going to be in? Is this baby going to be cared for? Is it going to be loved for? 
what what's this baby going to grow up like yeah. without me being there as a parent? Yeah. I mean, I so I, I right. feel like, you know, and I even thought that way at one point. It's kind of like you don't think about the long the long run. You don't think about the aftermath of everything. Um, and then just the emotional state that, you know, a, a woman is going to go through. You know, you think you can just have your baby and and give them up for adoption, but we forget about the giving up. You know, we for, forget about the actual process of having to let go of something that you carried for nine months. Um, exactly. You know, so I, you know, I can't fully relate to that, to that because, you know, I've never, I've never experienced that, but I can't even think beyond that pain that you might have to go through. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, this just, I'm just going to give a scenario though. I remember watching a Lifetime movie and this girl, you know, told the parents after I give birth to the baby and everything, I'm going to go ahead and let you go ahead and adopt the baby. It was just some random people that she knew that she felt like that she was comfortable enough to mm. let them adopt the baby. And then after she gave birth, it was a whole t- different ball game. Yeah. And she said, you know what? I changed my mind. I want to actually have my baby. And they're like, it's too late now. Mm. You signed the paperwork. Yeah. You know? And that's another heartbreaking thing. You don't think about the consequences until after the after, the after effects. Yeah. You, you think you know one thing and then it happens and you build that connection or, you know, and, and to break those ties, that's heartbreaking. It definitely is. And I'm just wondering about something though, too, what, what other layers does some of the other characters actually have? Because I love the layers of the brother, the mother, of course, because I always love characters that are actually have layers to them. So I'm just kind of curious, what are some of the other layers of some, maybe some of the characters that we didn't see? So with um, the little sister, Mia, um, for me, I wanted her to symbolize um, innocence and Mm -hmm. the breaking of that. Um, Because even, you know, you see her, she's playing with the, you know, the, uh, what is it? the birth control and she's just she's Mm -hmm. doesn't really understand what's happening um but at the end when when nola like she talks to her and she tells her your body is yours and that's really like the heart for me at least when i wrote that that's the heart of the film is her talking to her little sister who will grow up to be a woman herself who might have to be in those situations that your body is yours and don't let anybody ever take that away from you. And so that's the role that Mia plays is like this innocence that will be lost pretty soon. And also like a generational thing, because mm-hmm. a lot of times, um, like even with everything going on with the no heartbeat, heartbeat bill and with Roe versus Wade, we're not thinking about these children growing up and how, I mm. mean, you're, child your daughter could be in the same predicament um and so that's the role that that mia plays um that's that's something that i have to say that is really interesting because i didn't think about that from generation to generation 
And it's like, okay, my innocence is actually taken away, but you still have your innocence. Mm-hmm. But I want you to learn from the mistake I made and let you know that your body is your body. Do not let any man or anybody tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And even in um, the film, there's a scene where she's arguing with, so the main character is arguing with her little sister and her little sister tells her, I want to be like you. Like she's telling her, I want what you have. And Nola tells her, no, you don't. Mia obviously doesn't understand that she's pregnant, that she's going through this, this trauma right now. Um, And so I kind of wanted that to, to, to put that in the film as well, to just add another layer of like, um, of this breaking of, this innocence that Mia has and this the ignorance that she has right now that she doesn't recognize what's to come. Right. And you know what? Kids do that all the time. It's like, I want to be like you. And then you're like, no kid, you do not want to be like me. It's like that Billy Madison uh, moment with Adam Sandler because I can't wait to be a high schooler. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and I said the same thing and now I'm just you know some, when you look back at like you will never be a child again <laughs> and you look back at those moments you're like why would I ever wish that right because we thought that being a grown up would be so yeah. awesome and then here we are it's like you know what I miss just going to school having a juice box yeah. <laughs> you know just relaxing with no when like your stresses were like Oh my gosh, I have to go to like, what food are yeah, we gonna eat? It's basically, exactly. oh man, I, I wish I had those minimal stresses now, but same here, same here as well. I wish that I could have that as well. <laughs> but you know, you give your writing, let me just tell you about your writing, it's so beautifully well crafted. Thank you, and you're very welcome. And also, too, so relatable and has those layers so well f- fleshed out in the first 30 minutes to where you care about everything that's going around on in this movie. Because I watched, you know, independent films and stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, in the first 15, 20 minutes, you're not really all that, gl- you know, glued in. But with the way your writing is. It's it, you're. I'm gonna just gonna say this. It's amazing. It's really great wow. on the level of thinking that you actually did on this film. Thank you. That means so much. Honestly, you're very welcome. Um, yeah. I. It's crazy with this whole process of of writing because I ha- I wrote this during like Christmas break, <laughs> which was um, uh, it was interesting. Um, Because I, again, like, I've never, like, had to work with other people. I usually just write what I want and, you know, and I move on and write something else. And, you know, I do my edits, but I never, it never had to be a collab or a conversation. Right. Um, So this was very new for me, writing in this way, Um, especially because the um, producer and director they um, pretty much, they knew what they wanted it to be. They knew they wanted it to be about um, the No Heartbeat Bill. They knew they wanted it to be a horror um, that could soon be a reality um, where mm-hmm. a young girl b- gets pregnant. And we didn't want to say why or how. 
you know, because that wasn't the focus. It's just that a, a young girl be- gets pregnant and it's illegal to get an abortion. Now what? And then they said, now right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so I, I, I had the reins to um, kind of come up with any scenario around that, um, which was fun. But then it was also like, wow, I could pretty much choose so many ways of going about this. You know, where do I start? So that was honestly a really interesting and, and new process for me. Um, but I'm glad. I can definitely tell that you could be challenged with yeah. that, you know. And, you know, oh, go on ahead. Um, the first, like the first script, um, well, the first um, go ahead at this was I wrote it like in a car. So, but we didn't know where they were going to go. Um, it's gonna be the brother and Nola in the car. Um, so I I had it where it was like a mystery of them stressing out, them driving somewhere, and then and then in the end you see that they're like at a shady abortion clinic. Um, but not only was it not as intimate as I wanted it to be, but I also ran into like production issues of being in a car. <laughs> You know, and and right. and having, I guess, to sign paperwork and getting licensing, and um, and so just to bring in that intimacy, and then also just to make it um, a more smoother, Someplace yeah, like. yeah, someplace that could be easily filmed in. Um, it was actually filmed in the uh, producer's house, which was which was really cool. So um, just the rewriting. Oh, nice. um, was um, pretty rewarding, but also stressful. I can imagine because, like, okay, I have them in this scenario here. How do I move them from yes. this scenario here to a house? Yes. And you know, there's just something about watching the news first thing in the morning, mm. and then the consequences of waking up. A couple of months later after what you've done or the choices that you've made mm-hmm. and and the reality of the law being changed just overnight is just horrifying and horrific and your morning is also changed because of your parents perspective on it and also too your whole entire world is being shaken up yeah you know and also, too, the first thing you do when you wake up is see your parents. And then, you know, you're watching the TV and then that happens. And there's something so, let's see, there's such a realism yes. to that that I really like. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I even with everything going on now, it's scary to think that you really could wake up. <laughs> and... And laws have been changed. And, and even with, you know, this election, I'm not going to go deep into the election, but, you know, right. it's a scary thought to think that in mm-hmm. a blink of an eye, laws can be changed. Laws can be uh, uh, passed that that go against you and your identity and what you believe. Yeah, and justice. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I was literally, it's like every day I drive to work now, I'm, I pass by, um, 
what is it? Planned Parenthood. And every single day, there's a group of, of people standing with signs, like, you know, going against abortion. And I, and I just, I literally every day, I just think like, man, we are really here right now in the world, you know? And, um, and mm-hmm. then I think about no heartbeat and I, I just think about how easily we, our world can turn into the, into that. Exactly. And I can definitely see that, you know, and, you know, it does, and I just want to say this to my listeners though, too, you know, this is a movie that will actually make you think in a way that you haven't thought before and make you feel some type of connectivity that you didn't feel before. It doesn't matter if you lean one side or another. Watch the movie for yourself. Do it for yourself and make that decision on your own merit. Don't do it because of the fact that I'm giving you my perspective. I want you guys to have your own perspective on what this film is and view it for yourselves. Don't because I don't believe in let, mm-hmm. thinking for others. I want you to think for your own self. That's beautifully said. And thank you. Because that's what I've been told. That's you know, since I was a kid, that's what I was told. Think for yourself. Don't do what other people are doing. Be a mm-hmm. leader, not a follower. And it's just stuck See, with that's me. interesting. I I was not raised like that. It was more like these are our core values and it wasn't a negative thing. It wasn't like something that's been drilled in me where I'm like, um, you know, freaking out every day or like stressing out about complying to these rules, you know, but it was just more like it was these core values that you live by. And then when I get, I got older and I realized I don't align with these core values (laughs) in any way, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it's not a good feeling and you kind of have to deconstruct you know, what you've always believed um, when you were a child. Right, because there are some things, too, that stuck with me that I actually had to get rid of and stuff like that because I realized that that critical way of thinking was not the right way of thinking, even though it was brought up all my life. You know, I started thinking for myself and and stepped aside for a minute and be like, okay, mm-hmm. I need to change this so I can be better for myself. Awesome. And if I'm not doing something for my for bettering myself, then what am I doing? And yeah, I think that's really awesome. You know? And I and I, I really hope that this movie does that too. Like it it hits people or triggers people to think differently, you know. Um, or just to think in general, like you were saying. Right. That's my hope for this. Right. And also, too, you know, there's a difference with, to me, anyways, when it, beco- when it becomes like a husband and wife situation and stuff like that, it's okay to just make two people to decide on something. But when you're alone in the world, if you don't feel like you have anybody that you can turn to, at that moment, you don't, you know, your whole entire life is flashing behind, yeah. before your eyes. And you're faced with this situation yeah. and everything. And you're either I keep it or I don't keep it. And those are the consequences that this character actually plays on. And I, 
like I said, it's a great story to where you can actually gravitate Thank towards. You. You're welcome. Yeah. You're very welcome. Yeah, I'm, oh, but... sorry. No, 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 um, no. Go on ahead. You're talking about, like, being alone. And, you know, I find it interesting that really the only one who knew was her brother. Um, and we kind of okay. kept it open-ended where um, we don't know if the mother ever found out because she asked the question, you know, what's going on? And it's kind of left to um, really the the brother to say something. Um, and we left it open, you know, ended for a reason um, because it's kind of your choice, you know? And it's, and like you said, we're talking right. about decision-making. It's kind of your decision. And I, I love that the producer also you know kept it that way and um i hope people can really see that i think they can't i really do because i know i did but i know all film is subjective artists viewed differently between the lenses of somebody else but from my perspective i could definitely tell with that and it also took me back to my theater days of high school because there was a play I don't forget what it was called, but the boyfriend winds up knocking up um, this teenage girl, and she doesn't know what to do. The boyfriend wants her to abort it. He's telling her what to do, and then after that emotional breakdown and everything, the boyfriend is no longer there. She's sitting on the park bench. And he also get, threw the card on the ground. She picks up the card as for mm. the abortion clinic. And then what the direct what my theater teacher did was was this. She let the act, actress decide on what wow. to do with it. As if it was her own decision that is on what to do. It was. It was one of the most powerful plays that we've done. And so as, get this, as this actress, that's what I'm calling her, the student, is looking at this card. She's looking up at the audience, going back down to the card. Tears are trickling down her, on her eyes. And you can tell the same brokenness that was in, within your character was in mm. this character too. And she looks at the card, she makes the decision, and she throws it in the basket the curtains close, mm. and that was it. I wanted, I wanted to snap for that. And <laughs> it was, like I said, it was powerful. It, it was dramatic. It, the get this, the actress didn't even know where the tears came from. She was just that glued into it. And even my friend Daniel, who played the boyfriend, who was supposed to be like just a douchebag he didn't know where his anger came from either so the energy level was really oh, man. good and let's just uh, that is beautiful and let's just talk about like the energy because the the actors and the actresses like in here were spot on especially the main character um for nola zuri starts she like killed it um because the funny thing is, I unfortunately was not on set for any of this. I, I wrote it. I sent it out. 
they all live in California. Um, and so I'm, I'm here in Georgia. Um, and so I wasn't able to be on set for any of it, unfortunately, but just, so the first time I saw it, what you saw is what I saw for the first time. And like, I was tearing up when the main character was because like her acting was so good and so raw and, um, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was beyond what, what I was expecting. And I'm, I'm really happy that they really channeled into, um, the writing and they really found their emotion. And I feel like, like, I don't know, I'm not into act. Like, I don't know anything about acting. I don't know how, how to like tap into it. Um, but I honestly feel like they understood the the weight you know of of the topic of what's going on and they really felt it and um i just give kudos and praise to all of all of the actors oh for sure and i just want to say this too i actually thought that was actually filmed in georgia because it had a georgia mm. kind of flavor to it to be honest with yeah. you with the dining room alone felt like a Georgia so, dining room. I thought, so here's the thing. <laughs> you so know? I said, um, I actually told them, like, the setting that I wanted, and I'm I'm, you know, I've, I'll say I'm from Georgia, even though I'm a military brat, so from everywhere, pretty much, but um, I have lived in Georgia for five years now, and my family lives in Georgia, so I'm very big on, like, like the southern feel, so that was the the vibe that I wanted, and they really they really came through. They definitely did. I I do have to give them I have to give them props for that, because like I said, it felt like I was in Georgia in this dining room with this family, with the news, everything. I was I dialed that. into this. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you, and and. Also, too, I also do a little dab and a little bit of writing and everything, too. But you said you, uh, I was just wondering how many <gasps> days did it take you to write? Okay, let's backtrack. Okay. Um, Besides the research. So <laughs> it probably, I think it was around a month and I did like four different um, um, revisions. So started maybe like four days before Christmas and I had to have it to them um, by the 27th of December. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it was around a month of revisions. And then um, the film day wasn't until like February, it, February I believe. Um, thank goodness we got it all done before um, COVID hit and all of that. But um, yeah, it was around a month of revisions and going back and forth. And um, it really took a lot of focus. Like I felt like at one point, just, I was like, let me not plan anything else. I'm focusing solely on this script because I really wanted to get it. Um, I've never really had deadlines like that. So I, I definitely didn't want to, I wanted to seem very professional. I wanted to, um, to turn it in on time and, and, uh, it was a lot, but it definitely 
I feel like I learned a lot from that as well because I definitely didn't know it was and I don't know if it was just this one or if it's like this like in the you know film world um but it definitely taught me about deadlines and about like you know just staying on top of things and organizing my you know right my my writing throughout my day so it was hectic for sure I can, I can imagine because even with me being in theater class, because here's the thing, I always wanted to do acting, but I never pursued it or anything like that. But I did dabble in writing. I did dabble in some acting, <laughs> but, you know, but I remember in theater class, Miss Maggie challenged us to write a monologue. And then she also challenged us to do another um, thing. Basically, it was paper lache. We actually had to make a mask out of a paper lache and then come up with a story for our mask. Get this. Everybody's mask came out immaculate. Everybody's mask came out great. (laughs) Mine came out like crap. And it looked like a Slipknot mask. And I'm like, like, what the hell am I going to do with this shit? And Miss Maggie's just seeing me over there looking at me. She goes, have you thought of anything? I said, yeah, this is shit. (laughs) <laughs> she, goes, she goes shit or oh not you still have to write a story about it <laughs> so I wrote and this is like in the course of 10 minutes because at that point she already wow. 30 40 minutes already passed and she goes you have 10 minutes to finish I'm like and to me I love it whenever it's like last minute because that actually gives me mm-hmm. some motivation <laughs> to come up with something on a whim and I did, and it was just about this, uh, basically this monster that's terrorizing this carnival and everything, and basically eating these children's that's hearts intense. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden the monster dies because the heart that he ate was actually a heart of a kid oh. that was pure in heart. Oh, wow, that's good. Yeah, and so, yeah. So, but I got a B for that. For so, 10 minutes, that is golden. <laughs> right. It it is. Miss Bankus, and you said it was. Well, I, I said it was. About, like working under pressure, because <laughs> I I feel like that's me too. Sometimes I would not intentionally. Half of me feels like I'm sub- subconsciously like would put things aside just so I'm like oh I have to hurry up and you know get it done but um I honestly think I work best under pressure too now I won't lie this was a lot of pressure but um you know I you know with the heat under what's that saying the fire um holding your feet under the fire I know which one you're talking about hold your feet under the fire you get it done yep and so I I applaud you on that. Right. <laughs> I wish I could have seen that. Thank you. That would, to be honest now, with you, you would have probably loved it. No question. <laughs> Especially you when Rihanna act like the monster. <laughs> oh man. Oh okay. no. <laughs> okay. That's but I still have the picture. I have a picture still holding you do. it. I want to see it. <laughs> I'll have to show it to you. <laughs> okay. But then there was also another thing too. Like, I'm also gonna reference Rocky whenever he says, "When 
you're when you're afraid, mm. that's what energized him. And that's also what gives him his willpower is when he's afraid. That's <laughs> his fuel. That was actually my fuel. <laughs> so, but there was this other thing with the monologue that I had to write. It's a two-page monologue I wrote about a boxer who grew up in New York. And his pa- uh, father gets um, gets killed in a drive-by. And it's a flashback that I did where the boxer's inside the rink. And we're back. <laughs> All right. So no. what, what part did you actually hear? I'm sorry. So I know you're talking about the boxer in New York, and you said it was a flashback. Right. And he was inside the ring, and then that was right. it. Okay. And basically, it goes into his childhood whenever he's training with his father. His father actually calls him a meathead for actually messing up on a boxing move. Um, then through everything, I'm just skipping around a couple of things, and then it flashes back to him in the boxing ring because he's about to be the champion and everything. That's what his match is about, is him being a champ. Mm. So anyways, I had the Foo Fighters playing at that moment I told my friend Bud I said as soon as I said as I uh, as I as I go back into the rink as it flashes back into the rink I look at that I look at my opponent and that's whenever I go in full full charge and then that's when he played Foo Fighters Hero and I'm over there just in a full rage (laughs) (laughs) acting like I'm beating somebody up whenever I'm not beating somebody up I had my boxing gloves on. I didn't have a boxing ring. Didn't have anything. I just decorated the stage like it was an actual boxing ring in my imagination. I love that. And Miss Maggie just stood up clapping because she was bored out of her mind with all the other ones that she had. <laughs> and then she goes, now that is acting. I'm like, that <laughs> is awesome. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do something different in, you know, out of the right. box. Right. Thanks. I do appreciate that. (laughs) But like I said, you know, part of being a writer, part of being an actor is challenging. It's a very challenging job and everything. Yeah. And what was, what would you say is the most challenging thing that you actually had to work with when doing this? Hmm. I guess it. Okay, let me let me think about that for a second. I, I honestly think it would have to be I'm not gonna say the deadlines because we already talked about that. Right. But I think it would have to be also ha- um it not just being my vision. Um, mm-hmm. you know, because I can write a script all day and not care what anybody else thinks and you know, but this time it's like not only was it not my idea and so I had to kind of find my heart within the film you know um because mm-hmm. usually I write a film because I'm I it you know comes to me and I feel very passionate about it and you know so I had to find my um how do I relate to this film in a way so I could put me in the film um my mentor always asked me like uh where's the you and so that's what I had to ask myself while I was writing this. Um, and 
but then you know with the revisions is it's it's like it's not just your vision um and so you have to find like for me I had to find that that balance between like Mm -hmm. writing how I want to write it but also writing obviously for the audience and then also writing for the producer and 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 for everyone in production so that was one of the most difficult things was just gearing towards everyone i can see that because it's no longer about you anymore it's not like you're writing for yourself anymore you're writing for three or four other people and that pressure is actually on yes <laughs> yeah every time i sent that email i was like oh fingers crossed they they like it <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just awesome that you actually have this under your belt you know as an independent writer someone that wants to do stuff like this I, I commend you for that thank you and honestly I'm still kind of shocked about it I recently just maybe two or three days ago googled my name because I do that and <laughs> um and I saw now I have like actual credits under what is it, IMDb. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and it, it's, it's really funny because I didn't even think, I would never think that this would happen to me in the way it did. Um, because what actually happened was um, one of my a separate screen, short screenplay um, was nominated and I wasn't even going to it was for the LA Life Film Festival in Mm -hmm. California and I wasn't going to go because I was like I don't want to I don't want to buy that ticket I'm probably not going to win so what's the point and so I was thinking about staying here and you know locking myself in my room Um, but my roommates and my friends they all were like no we're going, we're all going. And so we went, I, and that's where I met the producer and the the director um, there. And luckily enough, that night I found out that I actually did win um, best screenplay that night. And um, I emailed the, the producer and she let me know that they wanted to collab. So if I didn't even go over there, I wouldn't have met them to collab, you know. That's awesome. It, you know, I thought about that to myself. I'm like, well, I just want to stay in this little bubble I'm in. Yeah. I don't know if I want to yeah. move, you know, because, you know, you feel kind of awkward at the same time. It's like, what if they don't like it? What if, you know, you're always wondering the what is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and then before you know it, you're picking your own self out. Doubt is and... a big thing. <laughs> I mean, and I honestly feel like a lot, like a lot of writers in general, like not just screenwriters, um, because like I also I also write poetry, and so even being in that world, it's it seems like a lot of writers, you know, are very introverted, and um, which I don't live by the whole negative stereotypes of being introverted. I actually love it. But, you know, it's, it's like, we kind of doubt ourselves. And I'll speak for myself. Mm -hmm. It's like, I doubt myself as a writer all the time. And then something happens where I'm like, oh, wow, okay, maybe I'm okay. Maybe I'm decent. 
And then I go back to doubting myself after we pass that, you know, and um, I would love to say I, I'll move past that one day. Um, but, you know, you never know. It, it's just, it's a thing that I feel like a lot of, of, of writers, at least that I know, go through, like the self-doubt. Um, so, but these moments, like even being on this podcast right now, thank you again. Um, You're welcome. It makes me feel like maybe I'm not that bad. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I mean, I think you're you're really talented. You know what you want. You're going for it. By the time you get to that finish line, you're gonna break God knows how many records. That probably the you're probably gonna wind up either winning a Golden Globe or something. Thank you. I'm listen. I'm gonna claim it. I'm gonna claim it. Thank you. That's what I'm talking about. Name it and claim it. Name it and claim it. Does that ensure? Because because I don't want it. <laughs> all right. Because here's the thing, right? Um, with this podcast and stuff, I didn't realize either how much this podcast actually helped me. Because hmm. believe it or not, I'm actually an introvert. <laughs> and wow. And I even told my friend Frenchie this on the air. And this thing actually helped me become a lot more outgoing in public. And even my workplace. I bet. I mean, even doing this, even, you know, talking to different people that you don't really, you know, don't don't necessarily know. Exactly. I love meeting new people. I love getting to know them. I like, I like, you know what? I like learning about the cultures of different people, where they come from and stuff like that. I've always been the type of person to ask questions. So this just gives me even more of a boost. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome to even like through fear, still do what you want to do. Exactly. And, you know, I was telling Frenchie this too, like at my workplace, we have like a Christmas parties and stuff like that. I used to get up and move. I was like Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> I would just go ahead, get up and move, and go back into my office. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, that <laughs> is, that's interesting because, I mean, I feel like I'm introverted, but for some reason when I'm at work, maybe because I'm getting paid, I'm extroverted, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You see... I understand that I have to be professional. I understand about professionalism and stuff like that, too. I'm extroverted to a certain period. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like I'm 50 huh? 50. <laughs> like I'm 50% introvert and 50% extrovert. Catch me on a good day. I understand that. Right. <laughs> what I think it is, though, um, so I work at a, a library, and I think everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, understands that we're all weirdos, you know, and we're all a little, well, not all of us, but a lot of us are, are introverted. And so I feel like it's just easier, you know, when you just feel like you're in that community. So it's just easier to be a little more outgoing when you feel comfortable around those people or that dynamic. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I just want to say, Tamika is just a great outgoing person with a big, big heart, you know? 
she is <laughs> she really she is. is and i'm sad that i'm not i we work on different campuses and i can't see her um very often i haven't seen her in so long but we still you know send each other cat videos so. <laughs> she sends me cat videos isn't too. it lovely <laughs> yes because i actually do have a cat so. same oh that's wonderful <laughs> It's awesome. I, I, you know, I could be having like the bad day or whatever, and then here she comes with a cat video. I'm like, okay, I'll yes. watch this. <laughs> you know what? I think it's hilarious that this whole time, um, my cat Marbles has not meowed once. So, this is beautiful. I, I agree. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you again for allowing me to have a chance just to chat with you, interview you. And stuff like that because this has been a great interview i really i really enjoyed this a lot and also too you also gave um of course my audience a lot to think about and process as well thank you for having me this was really really awesome and an awesome experience to have and just to hear your perspectives and your takes on everything you know i truly appreciate that oh you're very welcome because i believe with this film, you have to be open-minded. You can't be closed-minded yeah. with this. You know? And you have to look it through it through an outside lens. Or otherwise, you're going to be missing the message that you're seeing on mm. the screen. Yeah. I mean, and even if you come in a little, you know, hesitant or, you know, um, closed off, um, I believe it will open you up a little bit, you know, soften you up a little bit. I believe so as well. And I was just wondering, is there any place that they can people can follow you or or you just um Yes. You know, if you just have your own personal thing going. Yes, so I do have Instagram. Instagram is really where I, I live. Um so it's <laughs> underscore K Mesh, which is K N E S H, and then another underscore. Um, I also have a website that I recently launched that has like um, it has my screenplays on there. Um, it also has my some of my poetry, and it has my my um, paintings on there as well. And that's um, kmeshgallery.com. All right. And everybody, you can follow me at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Facebook. You can also follow me on Instagram at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite over there. On Twitter at Movie Lovers Unit. You can also follow me on John DiGorio8 on Twitter. Of course, you can also donate to the show by going to the GoFundMe page if you guys choose to do so. We also have a Patreon page that we just started up. And Tamika and I are actually doing classic movies and our very first classic movie is actually going to be Caesar which is a, a gangster film so we're going to be doing that pretty soon that, that's going to be a $5 tier that is awesome it, it really is because I've always been wanting to do that <laughs> so it gives me more of a leeway of certain things to test out I'm going to have to listen out um, please do because that's actually going to be on our Patreon for like a $5 tier for classic movies Uh, $10 tier is documentary series and then for $20 you can get 
both tiers. And then you also get a free digital movie and also shout outs as well. So you got that. Then, of course, you guys can go on ahead and just email us at movieloversunite at gmail.com. And that's pretty much everywhere that you can actually uh, follow me on. And, of course, this podcast is actually on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. And once again, Candace, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. This was amazing. You're very welcome. And I hope you have a great night and enjoy the rest you of your night. You as well. All right. As always, and until next time, bye-bye.